Welcome to Inside the 18th Copa America Gold Cup Euro U21 Women's World Cup AYSO U9 Championship uh, Seven Aside Men's League Pasadena uh, wrap up uh, everything, everything, guys. We're doing everything in this episode. Uh, a lot of you have been clamoring, wondering when we're going to do Copa, when we're going to do Euro U21s, when we're going to do Gold Cup. And uh, look, I'll be honest with you guys. Uh, there's so much soccer going on right now. We've had to pick and choose what we do. Uh, we've been doing a lot of content on the Women's World Cup, which shout outs to everybody who's been enjoying that content and, and everybody who's been coming on the podcast to talk about it, uh, that we've had to We've had to kind of uh, take a little bit of time to, to kind of regravitate or, uh, or reassess uh, where we need to go uh, next. But now that the uh, Women's World Cup is starting to move into the knockout phases and the quarterfinals, we decided uh, that we're going to do a little bit more other content. So uh, we're, uh, we're going to get into it. Uh, first off, guys, thanks, everybody, for rating, reviewing, and subscribing. Uh, we really appreciate the reviews on iTunes. We've been getting some fantastic ones. For those of you guys who listen to the podcast and have not gone online, subscribed and written a review uh i hate you i hate you with a passion <laughs> i can't stand you you're the worst human being ever no that's not true um we love all of you people but honestly if you want other people to hear us too just go online it just takes to, uh, literally take your friend's phone and just put five stars you don't even have to write a review just put five stars it helps us move up the rankings it means more people will get to hear us which means we can do more great content the more people that know who we are the more opportunities that are sent our way, the more great content we can provide to you guys. So uh, speaking of that, uh, Omar just got a great opportunity this past week. He was at uh, Impact Goalkeeper Academy where they had a uh, an amazing uh, clinic that was run uh, by the uh, Atlas training staff, right? Yeah, it was, it was pretty awesome. Uh, Joe and Mizzy, the, the ones who run Impact Goalkeeper Academy, uh, they, they had me out there. It was a lot of fun, man. We just we had the youngers in the morning and then the uh, more advanced kids in the afternoon. And Everything from the activation to the progression to the coaching points, everything was so professional. Uh, sometimes when you you know run these big camps, there aren't enough balls or there aren't enough goals, and a lot of these kids are just standing around. But uh, the way they ran this camp was amazing. Plenty of balls, a lot of water for the coaching staff because it was really really hot. Um, they really gave us the reins to kind of coach and you know provide our own style. Which um, in my older my older camps that I used to run personally, I didn't really do that. I felt like I had to have a control over it, but. Uh, Joe and Mizzy did a great job just kind of getting everybody out there and, and quality coaching staff as well. And it was just so fun to be around there and uh, just be able to, you know, share the love for goalkeeping. So, yeah, shout out to them. And, and again, guys, follow them on uh, Instagram, Impact Goalkeeper Academy. Big Joe's a uh, good friend of mine and uh, pleasure to be out there. And uh, we saw some great pictures uh, online this week of, of you with some of the uh, the students coming up to you and wanting to take selfies and all that. And that was really cool to, to see that. And a lot of them are actually fans of Inside the 18, which, which you know, made me really excited. And I was like, oh, my yes. gosh, I'm get, I'm there in spirit. This is fantastic. It was great. I, had, I actually had one uh, one coach come up to me and he was like, uh, yeah, dude, because we worked the same station. And, and uh, he was uh, like, coach. I didn't even know that was you. I'm like, what are you talking about? He's like, your voice. It sounds really familiar. I listened to this podcast called Inside the 18. That's you, huh? I'm like, uh, yeah, yeah, that's that's what we talk about. Like, we, you know, we talk goalkeeping. He's like, oh, yeah, like I knew it was you, but I didn't know. And I was like, okay. And like 20 minutes later, he mentioned something that I, I had said on the podcast. And I was like, okay, that sounds really familiar. And he's like, you know where I heard that, right? 
I'm like, oh, uh, the podcast is like, yep. So it was, it was pretty cool, man. And it was really nice. A lot of the parents will come up to me and say, hey, my son watches your YouTube videos, listens to you guys on the podcast. So like I told my friend, I said, if people don't recognize me at a goalkeeping camp and don't want to take pictures with me there, then I don't expect anyone to ever know who I am from this point forward. So it was pretty nice. It was fun. And like you said, Mike, it's just, it's nice for us to know that people actually care about the, the content that we make because uh, we're goalkeeping nerds. And it's nice to, to know that there's people like that out there. And speaking of camps, uh, we're actually going to be heading out and doing some live shows uh, over at Camp Shutout July 21st to the 27th in uh, lovely Wisconsin. Uh, Shout out to Stan Anderson and everybody at Camp Shutout. We're really excited for this opportunity. And uh, we have kind of a big announcement to make, but uh, I don't know if we want to, Omar, do we want to reveal this here? Or maybe we'll wait until uh, we get to Camp Shutout and then we'll reveal the the big news about the project. Yeah, let's do that. I think the better, the more we wait, the better. The more we wait, we the better. So uh, there's going to be a big announcement coming by, but we're excited about going to Camp Shutout and uh, we're going to be doing some great content. We'll probably be floating around, maybe running some sessions and stuff too if Stan will, uh, will let us. Uh, I don't know if anybody wants to get it near me when I'm running a session, <laughs> but uh, maybe I'll just do, do some stand-up comedy. Um, also, we're going to be at MLS All-Star July 27th to the August 2nd. We're going to be going to the game. We're going to be going to the homegrown game. We're going to be going to the hopefully some of the practice sessions. Uh, you know, We're going to be the media box. Uh, uh, hopefully we can do a live pod. Uh, we're trying to set that up right now, but it, it's going to be a good time. So if you guys are in Orlando for the MLS all-star game, make sure to come by and, and say, what's up, uh, contact at inside the 18 media.com. If you want to reach out and find out where we're going to be. And also the roughneck scarves are in guys. They are in, uh, they've been delivered to camp shoutouts. So we're going to have a bunch of them over there and also at MLS all-star, but Omar got a personal package sent to him as well at his house too. So we have some in stock here in Los Angeles uh, that you can purchase. And we're going to be setting up a shop online soon so that you can do that online. But until then, if you really want one of these Roughneck Scars before anybody else, contact at InsideThe18Media.com. This weekend, we will also try to put some stories up with some pictures of the scars so you guys can see what the scars look like. Right, Omar? Yeah, yeah. I think that's... uh... He hit it right on the head. I think I'm, I'm excited. We designed these, you and I together. Uh, so it's finally nice to get the package and see the final product put, put together. And we're excited for you guys to wear them. My mom was like, uh, Omar, do you, Mike, know that it's 100 degrees around the world right now, around the country right now? So uh, it's not going to be the best time for scarf weather. But at the same time, too, you want to invest in it now so that when you have a colder weather ahead in the future, you can wear them. Well, if you think about it, I mean, we'll, we'll be at all-star around August, which means that, you know, that's be about a month until the fall comes. And, and, you know, we're talking about some places like Wisconsin. I mean, my gosh, it might be winter by the time we get there for the, uh, for the <laughs> summer camp. I mean, what do yeah. they get four months of, uh, sunlight? So honestly, I don't know, but I'm, I'm going to trust you on this one. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's get into some of these listener questions and reviews guys, before we get into our, uh, our, our breakdowns of the, of the past weeks of matches. Um, all right. So this one, first one comes from, a uh, Robert Devone. Robert Devone is a, a big time, uh, goalkeeping, uh, uh, content, uh, uh, connoisseur. Uh, all of us in the goalkeeping world know Robert. Uh, he's, he's uh, always got questions for us. So this is, this is actually a really, really good one. Um, and he goes, how do you run a coaching business? Of course, the more clients I acquire, the less time I have available for both myself and my clients. However, I remembered that you have multiple coaches in different areas that work under your business. My question is, how do you have a profitable business with other coaches coaching for you? Do they pay a percentage to you or is income acquired through other avenues, in example, shirts, events, etc.? Thanks for your help, Robert Devone. Um, I think uh, I think the answer is all of the above. Would you say <laughs> Would you say that, Omar? Wouldn't you say that? I would say yeah. I, mean, I think you're I think you're a little bit more well versed on this because uh, you have the business started. I've, I'm more of 
personal, personal, like I love doing my own sessions. Um, so my best advice to even answer that question would just be, yes, like Mike said, all of those things, try and get, obviously your, your foot, your feet, <laughs> try and get uh, your foot in the ground and really start getting as many kids as you can personally hold on to. And then from there, you're going to have, obviously, if you're a good coach and the word will get around, you know, say, Hey, you know, I'm like 30 minutes from where you are. I actually have another coach that's there. Uh, you can either train that coach or you have just, you know, sit down with them and you see what their philosophy is, methodology is, and see if it kind of, you guys can coexist and it's the same, you know, methodology that you, that you provide as well. Um, so you can keep things consistent within your business and yeah, then you pass them off from there. And it, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say to bite off more than you can chew from the start, see how many kids you can get on your own, train them, uh, get your foot in the door, make sure you have experience. And then once you have that, then you can kind of start branching off. But I think for me, the biggest thing was just kind of getting those clients uh, with me, having them trust me. And then from there, them telling their friends and their other goalkeepers uh, that they either played with or they play against that, uh, you know, I have a, a good academy going. So that's what I would say. But I think, Mike, you're a little bit more well-versed in this because you actually have, uh, you know, experience with the business side of it. Well, uh, if you want to call it business side, uh, when uh, when Robert goes, uh, how do you make a profitable business? Uh, you don't. You don't uh, make a profitable business in goalkeeper coaching. Uh, it's for the love, Robert. It's for the love. Um, in, in all honesty, um, quality over quantity is my number one advice to you. Like Omar was saying, don't bite off more than you can chew. Don't bring on more coaches than you can physically handle or pay. Uh, the, the number one thing, the, one of the reasons I started hiring other coaches is because I simply couldn't service certain areas of Southern California is very big. It's very big. Uh, it's expansive and it, it takes a long time to get to different locations. So I couldn't get everywhere. And so there was a lot of kids that, that just couldn't get sessions. So I started trying to find outsource and try to find other coaches through avenues that I know through referrals, uh, or through, through, you know, coaches, goalkeepers that I've trained in the past myself that I knew, knew what they were doing to come in and work for me. And, and it's, it's very simple. It's kind of like what well, working a gym, you know, is, uh, it's the, basically is it everything goes into the business and then everyone's kind of paid out on a commission basis, you know? So based on the amount of work that you do, you get paid on that. Um, so it, it's, it's a pretty simple structure. And, uh, the number one thing I said is, is like, again, don't think about making money. Think about giving a great product back to all the kids out there. Because the number one thing is the reason to get into coaching or to be a teacher of any sort is because you want to give back to the goalkeeping game. Okay. Like don't do it for any other reason than that, because like the number one gratification that I get is when I see people benefit from the content that I either do on the podcast or on the social media or videos or, or on the field, you know, and that's really what it is. And that's why sometimes I've had people come back to me and be like, I can't afford this right now. I said, check out this podcast, check out this YouTube clip and stuff like that, because I want to help you. I'm not here to try to make money off you. I'm here to benefit the goalkeeping community in, in the best way that I can. And it's all about goalkeeping union, in my opinion, right? Yeah, I think that's, like you said, that's, that's a great point is figure out your why. Uh, and I think if your why is to make money, then you're probably not in the right business. I mean, of course, you have to have the business mind uh, down the road, but to really start something that you really care for, that's what's really important. And, and for me, for us, I mean, that's what I did. And luckily for me, I've had the support of my parents in terms of not having to pay rent. So I've been able to really focus on the love of things. And, and that's why I post, I've been posting once a day. I, mean, I have two channels now on Instagram and plus my YouTube channel. So I have, you know, three, four posts a day. And I've been doing that for about almost two, two straight years, every single day. And a lot of thought goes into those posts, but I do it because I love it. And I love the feedback that I get from you guys. Um, so obviously, 
Start by understanding your why. And then from there, the money will come. If you provide a good product and if you're a good coach and the coaches around you, they trust you and the goalkeepers are really benefiting, the money will come. So come with the quality, like Mike said, uh, quality over quantity. And then once that's all kind of set in stone, then people will start coming and the money will come. Yeah. And, and, you know, and I, I think another thing too, is make sure Robert, that you don't start trying to pay out people until you can afford it, because then the business is going to suffer. If you try to do that, if you start trying to hire coaches and you can't afford to hire coaches yet, it, it's, it's going to be unfortunate because then, then your mind's not going to be about coaching. You're, you're going to be thinking about your finances and stuff, and you don't want to be in that type of position. You know, it's better to keep small and expanding through word of mouth, that sort of thing. Social media is great. Omar's fantastic at it. He knows really well. You know what, Omar, I almost feel like we should do a whole episode on, uh, on how to run a coaching business. I think that's maybe get a, maybe, maybe that we do that, you know, at like a camp or something like that to talk to people about that, because I feel there's a lot of people out there who could really benefit from like a full episode about that. What do you think? Yeah, I think, I think we do it. We should. I think a lot of coaches that we know at least have followed that, that same kind of like business model of following the passion. And then from there, they've been getting a lot of kids and then they create a business after it. Um, and I think that's where I think a lot of kids would benefit as well, because the coaches can explain to them in the interview, just kind of like what they're looking for with their goalkeepers and what their focus is. Cause we always talk about, it's, it's kind of hand in hand, the business side and the methodology side. Cause you kind of have to, you know, talk about both in one, the same breath in that sense. So I think uh, both goalkeepers and goalkeeper coaches could benefit from an episode like that. Let's set it up. Yeah, let's do it. Let's uh, let's definitely do it. Maybe we even do it in Orlando at MLS All Star because there's gonna be a lot of a lot of big time goalkeeper coaches there, and so maybe we can get one of them to do it. Maybe you know. I'm down, uh, man. You you always tell me what to do, and I come on. That's all. <laughs> all right, so uh, let's get into some of these reviews too. Uh, shout out to everybody who's like I said, leaving reviews again. Uh, iTunes is usually the best place. You can also do it on Stitcher and Google Play. I don't know why Spotify doesn't let you do it, but honestly, guys, it helps us out tremendously. I know it sounds like I'm begging, but we're almost at 100 reviews, and we can't give away that that gift card until we get to 100 reviews. That's the goal. So we got to get there, guys. Uh, this one comes from uh, Madrick. I think it's Madrick underscore Muina underscore GK. Uh, I'm sure I butchered that, but, uh, but it's pretty good. <laughs> I'm goes, sure I think you did. <laughs> it goes, Hi, exclamation point. Already starting off very strong. My son and I really enjoy all the great podcasts, exclamation point. Lots of great info for for and amazing guests so not just great info but we also have amazing guests and sometimes they have great info too uh where is it that we can leave a comment i know you always mention how helpful it is for others to find your podcast through there keep up the great work again if you're leaving a review do it on itunes stitcher or google play so the reason i want to read this review is not other than the fact that i, I love of love matt what they've been doing because they've been very complimentary towards what we're doing, but kind of showcasing to everybody that if you just ask us where to leave the review, we're more than happy to tell you where to, where to put it on. Uh, and I appreciate anybody who's on, honestly trying to put up the reviews. Uh, Madrick's amazing because uh, I think that's the boy's name. I'm not sure what the mother's name is exactly, but uh, she set up a channel for her, I think eight year old son. And uh, they listen to the podcast on their way to training sessions and on their way to games and stuff like that. And sometimes they double up. So it's a lot of us in the car with them, uh, which is crazy. And, uh, and she's starting to post Instagram videos of him. And man, this kid's a baller. So shout out to you, Magic. You're, you're pretty good, dude. Eight years old uh, down in Florida. I think it's Central Florida Craze, I think is where he plays. Um, but not exactly sure. But, uh, but yeah, man, check out his videos. Uh, some solid, solid stuff. Just kind of like, uh, like Theo uh, Lynch. 
uh, over in the UK who uh, I think just joined the Man City Academy. So shout out to Theo. Uh, <laughs> that's, uh, that's, that's David's son. Um, really, really cool stuff over there. I think he's seven years old. So that's they're getting, honestly, they're getting, they're getting better and better with age. It's pretty, yeah. uh, we actually have a guy that I know. I don't know how old he is. I think he may be, I think 10 years old. Henry safe, save all is on Instagram and YouTube. Uh, love his dad. Love him. We, we talk all the time through Instagram message. I think, oh, yeah, he, I see him all the time on, on there as well too. Yeah. I'm starting to become like familiar with all the names, which is creepy. Uh, that's no, it's so true though. Cause that's how it is. When you run a social media account, a lot of us know each other through social media. It's kind of like when you, uh, it's just so funny. Sometimes you'll see people that you haven't seen for a long time, but you're friends on Facebook or Instagram and you'd be like, uh, Hey man, have, haven't seen you in a long time, but how was this place? Or like, that was actually a funny comment that you made about that restaurant. You know, like you know, we, we remember things that we don't, uh, we don't actually have to speak to people, but we actually remember stuff from their Instagram posts or the Facebook posts. So, uh, shout out to Henry, shout out to, to, you know, these guys right here who are, uh, you know, balling out at such a young age. And, uh, it's just awesome to see that. I think that's the, that's the important thing about posting social media and posting videos to YouTube and doing podcasts like this, because we don't even know who we're going to affect. And, and that's, that's the beauty of it, Mike. We can say one thing, uh, on, you know, like, early, early in the year. And someone can hear that podcast in December, or, you know, October or wherever later in the months, and they can go, wow, that actually helped me out. So it's just, it's nice to have, um, these, these podcasts up and, you know, give people opportunity to kind of learn from us. So that's fun. Yeah. This has been kind of like a, like an Omar and Michael care episode so far. It's been, uh, <laughs> it's pretty solid. Um, this next one, uh, this is actually really cool. This is not a question. Uh, it's not a comment. Uh, it's more of a story, and it's, uh, it comes from Kim Campbell. Uh, shout out to the Campbells, uh, always big supporters of Inside the 18. And uh, it's a goalkeeper union story, and it's, it's very touching, so I wanted to read it. And it goes, uh, first day, Jamie meets a mom and her daughter out of state at one soccer camp, okay, which is a, which is a camp here in, in Southern California, uh, a residency camp. Um, this girl's name is Ashley. Jamie tells uh, me she made her feel welcome and special. She ate and hung out with the girls. In the night, she became upset and crying. Uh, Johnson, uh, Johnsa, I'm not sure who that is, uh, came to Jamie in the middle of the night. And I'm guessing that's probably like a counselor or something like that. And asked if Ashley could sleep in Jamie's room. Obviously this is a younger little, little girl. Uh, she was homesick. So Jamie helped get the mattress and she slept with Jamie. Do on to others. We rise by lifting others. Um, and then she goes on to say today, Rael Socal development Academy plays a team from Weston FC, Florida. Real takes the win six to one. After the teams shake hands, I see Jamie and a player from Weston over on the sidelines give each other a hug. I just think maybe this is a young lady that was just emotional because her club lost. So Jamie was giving her a hug, but that's not the case. It was Ashley from One Soccer, the little girl uh, from the camp that was homesick that Jamie let sleep with her. This is what it's about. It's so much more than soccer, goalkeeper union. I, I think that's amazing. I think that right there kind of just emphasizes what we talk about. It's like, no matter how old you are, no matter how young you are, uh, whether you're a, a senior player and, 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 there's, and there's a younger kid there, whether you're the same age, uh, we're all the same as goalkeepers and, and we all look out for each other. So that, thanks again for sh sharing that story. I think that that's awesome. That's awesome, Kim. Thank you. Yeah, that was awesome. Yeah. Um, all right. Let's, uh, speaking of awesome, uh, there's been a lot of awesome stuff that's been going on in the goalkeeping world. So we're just going to get into it right now. Uh, so we're going to catch you up on what we've missed uh, in the last few weeks. So first off, we're going to start with Copa America. Uh, we're going into the quarterfinals right now. Um, we're going to mainly focus on the keepers in the quarterfinals right now. Um, there's just a lot of stuff going on. I want to talk about some of the goalkeepers that have impressed me so far in the quarters. Um, so I'm going to say first off, like my favorite so far uh, in the tournament uh, have been uh, Muslera, Allison, 
David Espina, I, I would probably say have been kind of like my, my three favorites. What about you, Omar? Uh, my three favorites were Wilker Farinas, uh, Franco Armani, and I think it's David Arias. I don't know if I, I don't know if I got that his first name, but Arias from Chile. So those are my three favorites so far. Okay. So let's, let's kind of break down some of these guys right now. Uh, real quick. Let's first off go with Allison. Okay. So he hasn't conceded, he's con- hasn't conceded one goal yet in group play. Um, obviously he's going to be finally tested moving on. Uh, you know, the only real save he's had to make so far has been on the near post against Peru. Uh, but his distribution and organization has been sublime. The thing about Allison is he makes everything look easy. So a lot of times you don't really notice him until he's called into the moment to do something spectacular, right? Yeah, and I think he's coming off a great year. I mean, they won the Champions League. Uh, they almost won the league. So I think he's coming off a season where he feels comfortable. He's, he's feeling confident. And I think when you're a goalkeeper in that kind of form, I don't think you're really second-guessing yourself. And when you're in that form as well, you're not going to be too jumpy. You're going to be very, very still and make the forward beat you. So I think that's where his, his decision-making has really, really matured uh, over the past few years. And I think he used to be kind of like the Brazilian style, more, more so – the uh, South American style where you kind of are very aggressive coming off your line and start making these rash decisions. And I think he's been a lot more contained. And uh, I don't know if his goalkeeper coach at Liverpool has been teaching him a little bit more of just kind of staying on your line, make them beat you type of thing. But he's a big presence. And the more he uh, the more he stays on his line and makes himself big, I think he's really, you know, consi- uh, considering himself as one of the best goalkeepers, not even in South America, but in the world. So let's, let's talk about David Espina for a second here. Um, I think Colombia's had a great run so far in the Copa. Um, and I think David Espina has been one of the reasons. Uh, I think his distribution has been legit and clean, really clean hands, uh, other level compared to some of the other guys <laughs> we've seen in the Copa. Uh, let's just say, uh, even when he spilled an early shot against Qatar, his, he still had a solid shape uh, a- afterwards. Um, his only real test came from Argentina. Uh, there was a great hit by Leandro Paredes near post. That Ospina parries across the box, and he parries it across the box in a way so that his recovery movement places him in great shape across the box for for the the second ball. Uh, I don't know if you saw that play, Omar, but I was actually blown away because I felt like that kind of is something that you would want to put up on like one of your like your breakdown videos because it was so textbook perfect from everything from angle play to technique to footwork everything. Yeah, I think that's uh, I, I did see it. And I think uh, a lot of the times, too, is that we have we as goalkeeper coaches don't really work on the pairing side of things. It kind of just happens naturally. And I think we should, though. I think we should try to to have our goalkeepers understand the hand shape and kind of where to parry. If you have a strong hand, where to push the ball, even if you're going to give up a rebound, like you said, put it in an advan- advantageous position where it allows you to get back to your feet and into a good set position for that second ball. Um, and I think he's been around long enough now where those little things come as second nature. And I think uh, if he's showing himself to be one of the, well, the best goalkeepers, I keep saying in South America or in the world, but he's, he's in the tournament so far, he's been showing himself as one of the best goalkeepers. What I liked about it, and I always try to stress this to kids, is that his recovery step is towards his parry rather than I see a lot of kids, they parry and then they kind of freeze on the ground and then get up straight up, but they haven't followed the play. So now they've left, they've left themselves completely, you know, wide open with that gap on the right hand side. Let's say if that shot, you know, came came from uh, came across from the left. Uh, he once he goes down on the pair, he immediately takes that crossover step to cover that angle for the next one. And I just think it's absolutely brilliant. Um, I also want to talk about the save off the line on the header from Nicolas Otamendi from pinpoint range from a really really great ball from Sergio Aguero in the Argentina game. Um, Hands down, I think might be the save of the tourney for me so far. Either that or the or, or the um, the Farina save uh, for Venezuela, which was a little more unorthodox, and we'll get into that in a second. Um, but right now, I mean, I'm, I, I, Ospina to me is kind of the Golden Glove kind of front runner. 
for me, I'm going to go with Farinas. Uh, okay. I'm going to go with my three real quick and just give you my just kind of, I think we're going to sure. overlap right now. But yeah, yeah, for sure. me, Wilker Farinas, if you don't know who he is, look him up. Uh, I posted a video of his, I think it was like two years ago when they played against England. So he was on the U20 uh, World Cup team for Venezuela. That team got to the final. They played against England. They lost to England in the final. But throughout the entire tournament, this guy could literally hit a side volley to your feet, right to your foot. And that's the way Venezuela played. Very Barcelona-esque, playing the ball out of the back. And when you have a goalkeeper that competent, and not even just competent, he really excels. Like, I mean, whatever, you, whatever you're whatever you thinking that I'm telling you right now, think when you see it, you're going to be like, wow, he, under, he underestimated me. He underestimated that comment. So I think he's just great with his feet, knows how to keep the ball, plays perfectly within that system. And he's the kind of goalkeeper that kind of reminds me of a Kaylor Navas, you know, going from a small country like Venezuela and kind of trying you know, become a big influence as a goalkeeper in the world game. And I think he hopefully will get a chance. I know right now he's playing for Millonarios, right? Or is that? Yeah, he's playing on Millonarios. He made that move from Caracas to Millonarios, um, I believe, after the U20s. Uh, he's, he's been there for a couple of years. But from what I've heard is there's a lot of interest from him in Europe. Um, a simple matter is just a work permit thing. I think he's got – I know that Venezuela has some – has some uh, relationships in regards to some countries where it's easier to move it over than, than in other countries, you know, UK, for example. Um, yeah. So probably going to look at him and moving somewhere, maybe like La Liga or, or um, even, even if it's a reserve at La Liga, sure. Although, but I think the only real issue that, that he has in regards to Europe is his size. He's five foot 11, um, but he's a f- built five foot 11. Um, he is very stocky. So explosive. And you're like saying, Oh, he's five foot 11. He's probably, he probably has issues with service on balls. Uh, dude, he is really able to read flighted balls really well, and and he comes out strong, kind of like a Kaylor Navas, and boxes those ba- balls out in, in, in great position. Um, I want to talk a little bit of kind of about the fact that he kind of reminds me, and I know I don't want to take this from a negative standpoint, but a playground goalkeeper reflexes wise, but his decisions aren't wild. I don't want you to think that he's diving on his stomach and that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, but I, I want to take like let's talk about that that shot that I was talking about, which I think might be. That or the or the Aspina save might be the save of the tournament so far. Uh, in the 75th minute um, against Peru, uh, where he basically what happens is the shot is it's coming from Edison Flores, and he basically is on the line and he scoops it away from goal on shot by Edison Flores. So like he basically runs into the goal and is able to parry the ball, like push the ball off the line and scoops it out, um, which takes improvisation. That's not something that you train. Geez, I really hope you're not training that in sessions. Uh, <laughs> but that's just something that's instinctive, you know. And and you need that from a big time keeper. Yeah, and I, like I said, he's to me, he can easily slide into any of these La Liga teams and make an influence and an impact right away. Uh, like I said, he was uh, he's on the golden age right now of the Venezuelan national team. I mean, I didn't even know that they were that good. I think we played against them. The U.S. played against them. I think last year, and I was thinking to myself, okay, Venezuela, this is an easy we win. Them a few weeks ago, dude, and we got lost like three 0 or something. Yeah, and they played. I remember last year. I think we lost two to zero, and I thought to myself, wow, like is Venezuela that good? And then I found out about uh, Wilker and then I saw him in uh, in the World Cup for the U-20s and he was balling out. He actually almost scored. They were down 1-0 in that game. He almost scored in like the last minute. He went up for a corner and he almost scored, which just shows you how good he is. And in terms of his savviness and his IQ, he knows where the ball is going to be. He knows where it's going to fall. And like you said, Mike, he's, it's like you said last in the last episode, I think we talked about it, controlled chaos. He just has this whereabouts him he has so much awareness of what he is what he can do what his range is on crosses and he really maximizes that and I think when you have a young goalkeeper like that he's born in 98 so right now he's probably just about to turn 21 so to have that 
And I think you can kind of build around him after that. But to have that IQ and to have that savviness, awareness, understanding of your positioning, understanding of your spacing, all of that at that young of an age, that's kind of priceless. And why I think that him and Kaylor Navas are very similar, because we all know that Kaylor Navas, you know, without really getting too deep into it, he didn't get the respect that he deserved around the world, just because I feel at least he came from a, a small country. Like Costa Rica, I just don't feel like, you know, Costa Ricans, they don't, in the world game, they're kind of like, okay, it's nice to have, but we're not going to give him this, like the same respect. If they gave him the same respect, they wouldn't have gotten Courtois, in my opinion. Uh, that's, that's, that's a discussion that we've already had a lot, you know, over and over. Um, you know, but, they, did, they did make the, uh, the quarterfinals of the uh, World Cup. You know that, right? Uh, semifinal, I think. Well, did they make the oh, that's right. They made oh, the semifinal. No, no, they made the quarterfinal. Oh, no, the quarterfinal. They, they, they didn't make it to the semifinal. That's right. Yeah, they did. And then that's what kind of bugs me. And I mean, I'm hoping that he has the same trajectory as, uh, as Keylor Navas does. He went to, that's the one that got him to Madrid though. Was that, uh, yeah, it was again, he had that uh, save. He had that big game against Greece, I think in the round of 16, got to the quarters, then obviously lost, uh, to, uh, to Holland in that game. But yeah, not severe for the point anymore, but I think he has a potential to really be a figure hole for the next five, six, seven years in the La Liga system. And hopefully from there, he gets picked up by a big team. I mean, I could see him easily sliding in with Barcelona. It's a little bit early because he doesn't have the size, but he has the foot skills. No, no, no. I was going to actually say that the fact that they just sound, that the, the fact that it just sold Silicon means that there is a spot available at Barcelona for a backup. However, the thing is, is that at 21 years old, I don't know if you want somebody to, to not be getting any playing time. I'd rather, if they did sign him is to obviously loan him out to either a you know, um, a, a smaller La Liga team or, or somewhere else in Europe sort of thing. I think so. Yeah. And that's how, like you said, we, I mean, I keep drawing the same comparisons to Keylor Navas, but that's really how it is. Keylor Navas got a big opportunity. He went to, I keep forgetting, I think it was Levante. And then from there he balled out. He won, I think the golden glove two years in a row or in 2014, he won it there. And then from there, obviously had the, the big world cup in 2014 as well, uh, coming off of a great year with his team. And then from there, Real Madrid were like, we're going to sign this guy. And he balled out. I mean, he gave, you know, Iker Casillas, uh, he, he easily slid right in three Champions Leagues in a row. So not severe too far from the actual other goalkeepers in the league, but I'm or in the uh, tournament, but I'm hoping that he uh, can kind of, you know, leapfrog from here and then continually uh, get better and better. So that at least I can play this soundbite in five, six years and say, I knew I was right. <laughs> um, right but so, Go ahead. You know, I'm going to go with Franco Armani as my second goalkeeper. Uh, I think, you know, he has some big shoes to fill for Sergio Romero, who Sergio Romero got uh, Argentina to the uh, final of the World Cup in 2014. So I think, and obviously he's with uh, Manchester United. He's doing really well there. So now we have Franco Armani, who is playing in Argentina, playing with River Plate. is doing really well there, actually. So I'm, I'm, I'm happy to see him finally get his chance. He's only 32. Oh, not only he's 32 years old, so he's kind of a late bloomer in that sense. Um, wait, my quick question is he is are these goalkeepers late bloomers if they don't have the opportunity to be the starter for their country because the starter is that good? Uh, I think they're just in a disadvantageous situation. I think that's the way you would look at it right there. Yeah. Like Ederson may never be the number one for Brazil, dude. It looks like Ter Stegen may never be the number one for Germany. Yeah, so I mean, look, it's I mean, hard to watch, man. It, it, I mean, think about this, you know, Brad Friedel didn't spend very much time as a number one for the United States. And he was playing in the premier league for years, but Casey Keller and then Tim Howard, you know, kind of t- came. So, um, you know, I, I'm, I want to talk to you in regards to Franco Armani, cause I'm, I'm not as high on Franco Armani personally. I think his distribution's on point. I think he's very confident. Um, I think, Venezuela's confident. Gonna be, I mean, I look, I mean, I think Venezuela is going to be a very tough test for Argentina and I could very easily see Argentina losing to Venezuela. I could see Venezuela moving on to the semifinals. No problem. Um, you know, uh, Miguel Amaron combined well with Rojas uh, 
on, on a goal that they scored on him. I think that he maybe could have done a little bit better on that shot uh, that was kind of driven underneath him. Um, again, you know, uh, that was a, that was a tough game. Um, you know, he did have the PK save. So, you know, what are you going to say? I mean, obviously, uh, against Gonzalez, um, I kind of think he made a mess of, of that free kick against Paraguay that Rojas hit. I don't know if you saw that, but he kind of like went out and like, he got completely caught in no man's land and, and didn't get anything on the ball. So I think he's got to do a little bit better job of, of reading the flight of the ball in, in that regard. And he's, he's a little wild in regards to coming out and trying to box out, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, he's got some some good tools too. Um, I don't want to be too negative on goalkeepers. Uh, we want to try no, to no. But I mean, we saw what happened. So last year in the World Cup, when Caballero was the number one, because Sergio Romero, I think he tore his ACL here. He got hurt before the World Cup, so they had to slide Caballero back in. Another late bloomer in that sense, who just barely got his opportunity with the national team. Uh, he did well, and then he had that mistake against Croatia, where he tried to keep uh, possession of the ball, tried to chip. I don't know if it was Rakitic or one of those guys tried to chip him. He collected it from the air. Uh, took it down and hit a you know rocket into the top corner. Then next game against Nigeria, they put in uh, Franco Armani. He did really well, and then obviously they lost uh, to France in the uh, round of 16. But you know it's just it's it's a weird dynamic what happens sometimes with some of these goalkeepers. They come to the national team. Uh, I mean, I remember when I was playing with my uh, Galaxy team back here at the academy. I played with these guys. My guys weren't that tall, right? So I didn't really have to come out, or I really had I really had to come out for crosses a lot more. My range was a lot deeper. Um, until I got to Davis and my coach was like, Omar, we have guys who are six, you know, six, three, six, four. You don't have to come out for every single ball. Let them do their job. So I don't know what it is sometimes, Mike, but I feel like some of these players, when they, when they leave their system uh, in the professional ranks and their professional teams and they come to the national team, things change. And unfortunately, you know, with Franco Armani, I, I don't know if maybe at Liverpool, his players are better with their feet, but he's trying to force all these passes. I don't know if you've seen some of the highlights, man, but some of the pass backs that he has are easily clear them away. Let's get up the field. Let's just see another day. But he tries to chip the oncoming runner. I know. That, that, that's becoming a popular thing. A lot of people are doing that. Um, yeah. I mean, we saw, I think we saw Alyssa Nair do it in the, uh, their game against we Spain. We saw Panama's goalkeeper do it in the Gold Cup last night, you know, against yeah. the States, the, you know, the, the, the second string guy. And I'm like, oh, dude, you're the number two on Panama and you're, you've got, okay, all right. <laughs> <laughs> all right that's well they're cool. playing against oh, wait, the wait, u.s ballistic comes in so uh <laughs> i won't do that uh pressing you. well how do you um, feel about that mike do you feel like a lot of there's like sometimes some goalkeepers have issues when they move from uh you know club play to the national team yeah absolutely because the thing is is that uh, personally i think it's easier to play with your club than it is with your national team because as a goalkeeper because the thing is it's just a familiarity you know you're with your team all the time well, you know with so your true. international team you're never with them you know so there's not the same familiarity with your back line. And, you know, a lot of times you're like, well, hold us on, hold on a second. Like, yeah, my dude is like, yeah, but your dude's like the third best center back in the world. Like, that's why you can do that. that (laughs) But like, you know, this dude, you know, for Granada or whatever country you play for, like that, you know, that's going to, I'm obviously just making just a a general, you know, analogy. I'm not, you know, showcasing any goalkeeper (laughs) that I think plays for Granada that I think is, you know, or Granada. Later on, later on, you'll, we'll bring up Eloy Room, who plays for PSV, and then his, his national team is Curacao. Yeah, who's, who's having a great run, and we are oh definitely going to talk about that. We'll definitely I, get to that, yeah. Yeah. Um, I want to talk about Muslera for a second, though, because I think he's kind of always under the radar. And, you know, Galatasaray is a big club in Turkey. You know, that's a, that's a pretty good league. And he's been a consummate veteran. He's always been consistent. Um, and no one's ever seems to give him the love. Um, I, I thought he had a great Perry save on Charles Aringuez uh, from distance. And it was that ball was moving in the 10th minute against Chile. Um, I think that was actually a really good game. It's a Chile-Uruguay game. Um, he makes really good decisions. He comes off his line for a box out with one hand. 
Uh, and I know I always try to stress to my kids, you know, two hands, but sometimes you got to go one hand if you can't get the full full leverage or because of the space that's available to you. And this, uh, you know, I, I think he. I think the thing is, is that like, he's brave too. Okay. Like there was an inswinger from Alexi Sanchez that was played right outside the six, but he read it right. He came out and, and even though he got fouled because he did, he would have held onto it if it hadn't gotten fouled. Um, he's willing to make that decision because he saw that he could get, there was enough air underneath that ball that he could come out and win that ball. I think a lot of times, you know, a lot of goalkeeper coaches, you know, they go, Hey, if it's outside the six, you know, don't go for it. Don't go for it. Don't go for it. But you've got to understand how much air is underneath the ball or whether it's more of a direct ball. And then you kind of make that decision because if yeah. you can get underneath it and get underneath it, you win that ball. Yeah, I know for sure. And I think, I mean, you make, you make a really good point about Moslera. He definitely slides underneath the radar. Uh, unfortunately, I mean, the last few World Cups, they've done really well, and he's kind of been the driving force behind that. They got to the uh, – I mean, I'll give Diego Forlan some credit in 2014. Uh, was it two, not then? 2010, right? I think they lost the Netherlands off Van Bronckhorst's, like, 50-yard shot. I think uh, Diego Forlan had the Jabulani, like, the spell on every free kick. But Muslera was a baller that World Cup, and I think he has slipped under the radar because he is playing in Turkey, so he's a little bit out of the limelight and a little bit away from – the kind of mainstream media, um, but he's been consistent. And, and it's, that's something to say about goalkeepers who are consistent for the national team and for their club teams year in and year out. I mean, for him to be Uruguayan going into Turkey to play as a starter there, it, you know what I mean? Like on paper, you're like, oh, wow, is he going to get a fair shot? But he's been there. He's been there for a few years now, balling out. And I don't know, Mike, we, I think that's another topic I want to talk about too later on in the future. Just like, you know, with Kaylor Navas is like the main goalkeeper that I can kind of give the best example of. But Goalkeepers that come from these smaller countries, do they do they command the same respect? Do they get enough, um, you know, leeway? Well, well, you could, but you could say the same thing about field players too. You know, do they command? Oh, the for respect? sure. You know, I mean, Obama yeah. Yang had to really prove himself coming from Gabon, you know, uh, at Dortmund, and uh, and even then, you know, it, it, it just it took a long time. Um, all right, so let's let's talk about this. Let's talk about quarterfinal matchups here. Uh, I want to go I into one more. I have one more. Sure, G- uh, Gabriel Arias. I know you didn't like him. That I much. thought he was trash but that's really yeah i i I was not i thought chile had a great defense i thought chile had a great defense um i would have i mean i i i i always liked claudio bravo um i would have i would have cared for claudio bravo much more um i thought he was shaky i thought he made a mess of the 1v1 against suarez yep um he recovered nicely positioning wise but he his touches are a bit big in my opinion um he completely missed this in-swinger from Japan that their number 10 Kubo played in. Uh, the timing was really off. And, dude, honestly, in my opinion, like if you start reading that a goalkeeper misreads in-swingers, guys, guys are going to have a field day on that. They're just going to start playing balls into the wings and just serving those balls into the box because they know that this guy's going to be all over the place. Yeah, no, I, no, no, I think you're right, 100%. I, so the, I was going to tell you that when I first saw him play, I was like, oh, okay, you know, this is not Claudio Bravo, Bravo anymore, so we're going to have to get used to this, you know, different face. And for the first few saves, I was like, okay, he's not bad. Like, I don't mind him at all. And then uh, I started watching him more and more, and I, I completely agree with you. His decision-making is so off. Uh, he had a PK against Ecuador that he came out. Like, he almost runs into a straight line when the ball's going to his right. Like, he goes around to go to the ball. And then, like, that happened with Suarez. It was a through ball. He overreacted. We always talk about fast approach and slow arrival on uh, 
on 1v1s. And he came out so fast, never slowed his body down. And Suarez was able to take the ball around him. And he, he recovered well, made a save, went out of bounds for a corner. But he did the exact same thing against Japan. Luckily, Japan, uh, the forward, completely missed the frame when he, uh, when he got around him. And then he also did the same thing against uh, Ecuador on a PK. They, it was like a through ball. He came out and swept, he swept the forward's feet. They ended up scoring. I think they ended up winning 2-1 to one in that game. So it hasn't cost him yet. But, you know, to, again, for these, some of these goalkeepers, we're seeing a new age, uh, a new era of, of, of goalkeepers for their countries. Now we see Claudio Rabos out. Then we, you know, Keller uh, Navas isn't there for Costa Rica. So it's kind of like a new age, and these guys are coming in and trying to make a name for themselves. So hopefully, you know, he has a, a, a better quarterfinal. We'll see. But, uh, now, I mean, that's a good transition for you now, Mike. We'll get to the quarterfinals now. Okay. All right. So let's move on to the quarterfinals here. So let's, <laughs> let's talk about this. So we got Brazil, Allison versus, uh, you know, Fernandez for, for Paraguay, obviously the, I mean, you, you got to give it to, to Brazil with Allison. I mean, it's really no question, you know, although, um, Fernandez hasn't been as, as bad as at first I, I wasn't crazy about him though. Um, but, uh, but I, I think he's, I think he kind of got stuck in a, in a tough situation. Um, you know, the, the, there was a ball that he got scored on a near post, uh, against Colombia, I'm trying to remember who it was that that scored that ball on him, um, but I think it was a oh it was a shot by Cardona um, that he kind of spilled kind of next to him uh, in a weird kind of place, and then he had to kind of try to you know get the ball, but he couldn't. Um, and then he also had the one that Gustavo Cuellar hit um, where he was too high, and personally, in my opinion, on his near post. And when you when you take when you're two step when you're one step higher, you've already got your near post covered. When you're one step too high, you expose that ball coming in quickly on the near post right there. And that's why I always tell kids, you know, you're better off to hold position rather than take that extra step to gain ground, in my opinion. Yeah, no, when you're right, 100%. You know, yeah. um, so right, so let's, let's then Venezuela, Argentina, I think we've already gone through, you know, Armani and, and, and Farinas, uh, Colombia, David Espina, Arias, we've already discussed that right there. Uh, Venezuela, um, Farinas, I think has got, has got the upper hand on, on Argentina, on Armani. I think he's huge upside. Colombia, Chile, uh, Spina, I'm going with myself personally. Um, although I think Chile is going to win that game. Uruguay, Peru. Uh, we haven't really talked about Pedro Callese. I've never been crazy about him. I know he plays in Liga Mekis. I know that we've got Liga Mekis fans, you know, who listen to the podcast. I'm not as well-versed in Liga Mekis as I should be. Um, but he's a little wild for my taste. Uh, yeah, he is. I think, you know, we, we talk about it all the time. Uh, for goalkeepers back there, you have – provide security and I think he reminds me a little bit of like a David Ochoa type way where he'll not talk, I keep forget, I keep saying David Ochoa Guillermo Ochoa uh <laughs> where, poor David, will, poor David. <laughs> where they will make the save they're good shot stoppers but they don't have sometimes that proper technique and sometimes without that proper technique you put balls back into a dangerous area I mean you brought up a good point about I think David Ospina the way he pushed the ball away from the dangerous area was able to give himself uh, time to get back up so I think it, it, for him I don't know if if, if they're going to win this game, I think Peru is also in a golden age. They made the World Cup last year. Um, but I think if he can do well, but that double-headed monster up top uh, for Uruguay is, is very, very tough to uh, to keep out. So we'll see what happens. But I think I'm going to give Muslera the edge on this one. And, uh, I mean, we saw with Argentina too, Mike. I mean, it isn't – unfortunately, right now, there's a lot of stuff going on with Argentina. And, unfortunately, I don't think Messi's ever going to win an international title with his – with this country because now we see the new coach that came in he wants to play more direct more more long balls and unfortunately Messi's not that kind of guy he's obviously coming from Barcelona where he gets the ball and he can play that false nine and really roam around the field and there's a few articles that came out saying is Messi the problem which I don't think so but if you have conflicting you know uh kind of assignments from the coach one the coach is saying we want to go long and then you have Messi kind of doing his own thing 
<clears throat> excuse me, I think that kind of disarray and that dysfunction can kind of uh, give Venezuela the edge here. All right. So you brought up Memo Ochoa. So let's move on into the Gold Cup right here because I think we're kind of on, on the same page in regards to the to the Copa America. I'm excited to see what happens, who moves on to the semifinals. It's going to be very, very exciting in that final four. Um, Gold Cup wise, uh, so in the quarterfinals, we got Curacao, uh, kind of the Cinderella story uh, in the tournament uh, versus the United States. We got Haiti, Canada, Costa Rica, Mexico, which is going to be an unreal match and Jamaica, Panama. Um, I don't really want to get too much into the group stage games. Uh, I want to talk more just in general about goalkeepers that impressed us in the group stage uh, that are moving on to the quarters. Uh, personally, I want to start off with, and, and, and you kind of uh, foreshadowed to it earlier, um, but I want to start off, you know, kind of with Kurosawa's goalkeeper, Eloy Room, uh, which a lot of people don't know. He's the backup over at PSV. He's a savvy veteran. He actually was in the Netherlands youth program. Uh, he actually played for the U20 team. Uh, before he ended up uh, choosing to uh, to play internationally for Curacao. Um, he's wow. got a solid frame. He's 6'3", 6'2", 6'3". Um, I think he's been the goalkeeper of the tournament so far. I, I think if you if you rounded up all the highlights from this guy and kind of, you know, match them up with anybody in the U-20s, U-21s, Copa America, the Women's World Cup, anything, this guy's last three games have been unbelievable. Unreal, yeah. Dude, and it's, it's the way it kind of works. It seems like it's going is they have – he has like five, six amazing saves, and then Curacao gets a counterattack or a corner kick, and they score. And, it I reminds mean, me of the Kaylor Navas Costa Rica World Cup where yes. he had to stand on his head, and then they would counter, and they would get like one goal, and then they would go through. <laughs> It's not the right recipe, but if it works, don't change it. And I think he's the kind of goalkeeper, too, who has that ability to keep that endurance and that stamina throughout a game where as fresh as he is for the first shot, he's that fresh for the 10th shot. And he's showing it. I mean, he's so much class, man. Like, just the fact that he's getting back up and making these amazing saves. Uh, he's calm with his feet. He's not, you know, he, he doesn't make these flashy, flashy saves, but he puts himself in, puts himself in such good positions that he makes it look easy. And he's just, a, he's just a natural shot stopper. So I don't know if that's the game plan. Is like, hey, guys, we're going to take a lot of shots, weather the storm, Eloy will make a lot of saves, and then we got we to gotta get our two or three chances on target in the goal. So um, Haiti's a surprise too, but of course, I like them going through the net to the next round, now playing the U.S., it's been, it's been so much fun to watch. And these kind of tournaments, Mike, are so much fun to watch because we don't know a lot of these goalkeepers and who they are, and they kind of announce themselves to the world. And I think he really has been. He's very, actually, he's very big on social media. So I, I've heard of him before. I remember his name, you know, floating around. And like, I think he and I have DM'd a few times. And then I saw him in this tournament. Well, I, let's have him on the podcast. Let's, let's do it. Let's do it. Let's have a, uh, let's have Eloy on the, on the podcast. Dude, uh, for sure. I'll, yeah. I mean, we'll reach out to him. So if, I don't know if he's listening, but if he's listening, Eloy, come on, bro. Hey, you never know who's listening. Um, I want to talk about the amazing uh, save that he had the fingertip and then the follow-up save on Andre Lewis, uh, which was pretty remarkable. I think he, Barely, and I don't even know if he was credited with, he barely got fingertips on the initial shot against the Jamaica game. And then he was able to get up quick enough and, and get set for the second ball that Andre Lewis hit. And it was just a really, really nice, solid, uh, you know, save uh, routine or, or combination or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then also he had the Devin Williams, you know, the quick reflex uh, over the tip over. I'm just kind of breaking some of these down for people who want to go out and check out the highlights. Tell them to um, watch it. Yeah, go yeah. watch it, guys. Yeah. Uh, we're, we're not, this is not like a, you know, we're not just trying to like, you know, boost his ego or boost him up. But I mean, he deserves this. He deserves us talking about him, spending a good three, four minutes on him because he was that spectacular. So watch um, the Honduras game 
Um, there's some really, I know my minor Figueroa was giving him headaches the whole game. And obviously Figueroa is a, a veteran who's, you know, a high level player, you know, um, you know, who plays, you know, over an MLS and stuff like that. Um, but, uh, he went negative and played the ball away low out of danger in the 65th minute, which was a sublime vet move. A lot of guys would try to keep that ball in play, but he recognized the angle that that ball was moving and chose to, even though he had his power shoulder out to push the ball away negative so that there was no chance for any sort of a rebounder for his team to, you know, get caught, you know, at numbers out or position or anything like that. Um, it's really, really, really solid. I hope he gets some more games for PSV this year. That'd be sick. Who's even the starter over there? I'm not even sure. I'm not even sure either. I know that PSV is a good club though. Um, by the way, Curacao, for those of you guys out there who are going to watch the Sunday game and go, Oh, I don't know if I even need to watch us probably going to win like six, nothing. Uh, Curacao is not like, um, Bermuda or something like that. Like this is like essentially young Ajax. It's a bunch of like guys who play like in the Eredivisie, like, or, you know, second division, which is, I think they're Areste Divisie or whatever. Like they're good high level players. These are not small level guys. I think even some, there's some guys who play USL too. So um, it's a, uh, it's, it's a good, pretty good level that they, these guys are. Um, I want to talk about uh, Andre Blake. Um, I think he's always been class. Um, I think in the 19th minute, um, he had a great drop step to the back post uh, save uh, on Curacao, which I, again, I think Jamaica probably was like, well, who are these guys? Cause uh, I don't know if they were sure about this either. Um, he's been clear in the air and on distributions. Um, he hasn't had a lot of work in this tournament yet, but again, with the gold cup, first kind of group stage matches for a lot of these bigger countries in the, in the CONCACAF are, aren't as difficult. So uh, I'm really excited to see what happens with uh, Jamaica against Panama. Yeah, I am too. I don't think he, he hasn't really had to do too much. And I think if anybody knows from this podcast, we've, we've, we've spoken about uh, Andre Blake. I almost said James Blake, but we, we've spoken about Andre Blake a lot. And he's just, I mean, I've seen him since he was in college. He is probably like the pride of Jamaica in terms of being the most well-known and recognized player. Um, so I think, like you said, he hasn't really had much to do, but I definitely keep an eye on him because he's a great shot stopper. He's gotten a lot better with his feet, really good with 1v1s in his decision-making. So if you're a young kid or even a parent that want to watch a quality goalkeeper in this Gold Cup, uh, I would definitely, you know, watch the game against Panama. And he is a fan of ours. So, I mean, what are we going to say negative about him? Uh, he likes us. So that's always a good thing. Um, <laughs> all right. So uh, I want to bring up uh, Milan Gorion from uh, Canada. Uh, who I think a lot of people aren't familiar with. I think he, he might've even been born in Croatia, but had Canadian citizenship. He plays for Krevna Zvada. Um, and, uh, you know, he had some nice saves against Cuba. He had a top hand save. Um, you know, it's, it's kind of been like, uh, he's, he's a, he's a decent goalkeeper, um, that I think a lot of people aren't familiar with. And I think Canada, um, might surprise some people with, with how good they are. I know Katie's a tough team, but I could see, Canada being in the semifinals for sure. Uh, yeah, I think, I mean, he, he did okay. He, unfortunately, against Mexico, he had that one save where it deflected and uh, I forgot Jimenez or one of those guys, you know, banged it in. But again, these yeah, guys... Yeah, but he was quick down to the near post to parry that ball. Um, but it was tough that he couldn't stop the finish of the second ball. You know, I mean, yeah, that, I think one they, of those things where it's like you only do as much as you can. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, again, a lot of these new countries, it's, it's also pretty crazy too. You see a lot of these new countries in terms of they're not really big players in the world game, but now on the world stage, they're stepping up and they're becoming better like Venezuela. I mean, I didn't even know Haiti was that good. Haiti's doing well. Canada's doing well. I mean, there's just a lot of these new teams that we haven't really heard of, but I think now with 
just like soccer and, and football around the world becoming more of a uh, just kind of a staple in the, in the academy stages, a lot of these teams are really bringing in new guys who are uh, coming up with their ranks. And I think from their U-17s, U-20s, and these World Cup teams that are coming through, I'm just, I'm just excited to see how these guys do. I think Canada with Alfonso Davies is like, kind of like the figurehead of the team. Uh, unfortunately, Dwayne De Rosario back in the day didn't get the same, uh, you know, didn't have the same attention with Canada. But I think with Alfonso Davies, I think this team is actually going to be, you know, a, a force in the CONCACAF pretty soon. Um, and we haven't brought up Zach Steffen or Memo Ochoa, and you're probably wondering why not. Why haven't we brought up Leonel Moreira? Uh, I wasn't that impressed with him um, at Costa Rica. I think it's such a drop off from Kaylor Navas. It's really difficult to uh, to, 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 to try to compare because I feel like it's going to be negative, and I don't want to be negative. You know, um, obviously he plays in Liga Mekis, so he's a decent goalkeeper. Um, it's just it's just not the same level. So I'm I'm not crazy about him. Um, Memo Ochoa has been fine. He hasn't really done anything. Zach Steffen's been fine, you know, uh, better than he looked in friendlies. Um, you know, he had that, that great parry, you know, against Trinidad and Tobago from, from Jones that he parried wide, but he hasn't really been tested either out of that. And his distributions look good. I mean, it's going to be interesting. Like I said, you know, with, with this kind of a tournament, the later rounds are always where goalkeepers really start getting tested, you know? Yeah, so, they, I mean, Sean Johnson played yesterday too, so I think that was uh, pretty evident. Sean Johnson stood in the goal yesterday, is what he said, <laughs> because he faced one shot that I could have stopped. Um, so that was a tough game to watch, and I said that we weren't going to talk about it on the podcast because it was uh, so uh, atrocious. Although I had a friend of mine go, "Ah, oh, that game wasn't that bad." Josie scored a bicycle kick. I'm like, dude, that goalkeeper made a mess of that. <laughs> of that, he season. did. Unfortunately, when some, whenever somebody scores in high school, for example, with Wayne Rooney scoring that like 70 yard bomb. Unfortunately, oh, or, it always makes Yeah, there's always a culprit. There's always somebody who's the scapegoat. And it's usually the goalkeeper when those big goals or, uh, you know, 60-yard bombs uh, happen. So, unfortunate for Brian Rowe, but, yeah, unfortunately for Panama's goalkeeper last night. But, like you said, in these kind of tournaments, the early stages, unfortunately, aren't that uh, glamorous. The goalkeepers don't have amazing performances. They're just kind of asked to do what they're supposed to do, and they do it. I think yeah, now question. aren't you guys now aren't all the fans aren't you guys happy that we broke down these group stage matches you guys have been like f- wanting us to do like why aren't you guys doing these games why aren't you doing like Bermuda versus I'm like dude seriously you want us to do it? all right okay here we go yeah we go. but no I think uh yeah well, I'm excited we'll, we'll come on for the, the next podcast and hopefully all of our predictions are uh, pretty accurate yeah so um all right do you want, do you want to see uh, our nods right here uh for these right here um i'm gonna say personally uh united states uh canada uh the mexico costa rica it could go either way uh but i'm gonna give the nod to mexico and jamaica so i see i see a, a final a final four of u.s canada mexico and jamaica which pretty much sounds like every gold cup yeah, I'm going with that too. I don't know if there's any any sleeper. I don't even think you can call Panama or Jamaica sleepers if if either of them wins. Uh, then you have you know Costa Rica, Mexico. I like Costa Rica in that one just because uh, I'm going to go against you. But uh, then we have Canada. I think they'll beat Haiti again. I don't know how. I haven't really watched Haiti that that often, but the fact that they've made it through makes me intrigued and make, makes me want to watch that. Uh, and obviously, U.S. I mean, I'm just excited to see. I'm sure Haiti's got some dude who plays for like PSG that we don't even know about. He's like on their <laughs> like, you know, like U, U19 team and they've called him up to the Haitian national team and he's going to like kill it at PSG next year. We don't even know about him. So uh, I'm sure there's just something like that going on. Um, yeah. All right. Uh, everybody's been asking U21 Euros. Uh, I've talked to Omar about this and uh, 
it's not over yet. And there's just so much soccer going on. We love youth tournaments, but we talked to you 20 world cup. Uh, it's just only so much time. So we're going to, we're going to do a U21 wrap up of the goalkeepers that we felt, uh, showed the best in the tournament and really improved their stock moving forward in their careers. Uh, next week. Uh, doesn't that sound good after the, uh, after the semifinals? Yeah, we'll do that. A quick point, though. I mean, in in, in this whole De Gea saga right now, they've been looking at uh, Dean Henderson, who is a Manchester United, I think, academy product, but has been loaned out to Sheffield. I think they were looking at him as being uh, De Gea's replacement if, you know, they wanted to. Oh, I thought Sheffield bought him. No, uh, not that I know of. If they did, maybe it's in the last few days that I haven't seen. But uh, I'll just finish the point on that part. I think he didn't, unfortunately, he didn't show himself that well in this tournament. He had a few crucial, crucial mistakes that led to goals that unfortunately saw England out of the tournament before even getting out of the group stage. So uh, we'll see. That's a tough part too, man. You'll see these tournaments will make or break you. You know, last year we saw Pickford as just kind of an okay goalkeeper. And then all of a sudden he comes out for the World Cup and you realize, all right, this guy's a gamer. He's got another engine to him. He's got, you know, some, some in terms of like mental and psychological approaches to the game, he's a little bit above average in that. And that's what kind of in a smaller body like his has gotten him to where he is. So I love watching these summer tournaments because it makes, makes or breaks you. And I think uh, tomorrow when we watch the uh, women's national team play against France, we're going to see Alyssa Nair and how she does and if she can step up to the, to the plate. So let's let's finish off the episode with uh, the Women's World Cup and let's talk about the quarterfinal matches. Uh, we actually have one going on in like a half an hour, uh, Norway, England. Um, yes, guys, we will get to MLS and NWSL, but right now we're focusing on the summer tournaments. So we'll get back to to league play uh, once we're done with the tournament. Again, only so much bandwidth we got, right, Omar? Yeah, unfortunately. Yeah, I think you and I have just... We're doing our as much switches as we can. We have our trainings. You have, you know, your your uh, your trainings as well, and we're just so busy. But we try to bring you guys as much as we can, and and really uh, try and know as much as we can. Like we said earlier, it's quality over quantity. We can bring you a lot of stuff, but not know as much about it. But we can bring you like the main points that we've we wanted to cover, and give you as much information as we can. I think we talked about Farina yesterday for about ten minutes, so yeah. I'll definitely send him the soundbite. <laughs> yeah, and I, look, and the reason we didn't have an episode on Tuesday is sometimes there's technical difficulties that that are kind of out of our control. So we apologize for that. And we decided rather than releasing that episode from Tuesday, because we have a certain standard that we want to keep. And if we don't feel that the qualities of the level, we'd rather, instead of release an evergreen piece, we felt it was better to kind of wrap up the, you know, what's been going on the last few weeks with you guys th- today. And I think we're going to actually release this episode a little bit earlier than you're used to. Uh, so you'll be getting this late Thursday night. Um, all right. So let's finish with the women's world cup. Uh, let's talk about kind of these uh, quarterfinal matchups and kind of like our favorite moments from this past weekend. Uh, I'm going to say straight up for me, um, the PK save by uh, Hedvig Lindahl, uh, perfect prep step to push off the tacking shoulder in front of the post to Perry against Canada. Uh, unreal. I mean, that, 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 that was one of the quintessential moments because that was a well-struck PK. Yeah, and I think she really showed the rest of the goalkeeper in the world that have been complaining about this PK uh, new ruling that it can be done. And I think she was at max extension, great form. Every time you want to show somebody a picture of somebody diving, you want to see them kind of almost parallel with the ground. I think she was. Got a great prep step, pushed off, amazing save for her to even reach all the way out there. I was kind of upset that Sinclair didn't uh, didn't take the PK because obviously, you know, she's Canada star. But I think Lindahl unfortunately created that scenario where now we're even talking about her not taking the PK because she made a fantastic save. So Sweden's in good hands and I'm uh, I'm super excited to see how they do the rest of the tournament. 
John. And shout out to Yael Averbush, by the way, of Technique Football for uh, shouting out PGK Union this weekend. Uh, I actually retweeted that because I thought that was so cool. She was just talking about how, like, can we talk about how the goalkeepers have been unreal this tournament? I think, honestly, it's been some of the guest goalkeeping performances I've seen in a major tournament, men or women. It, it doesn't matter. I mean, it's just been really, really, really good goalkeeping. Speaking of that, I want to talk about, you know, uh, postmortem, you know, uh, Lydia Williams for Australia. Um, she didn't deserve that result. Uh just a really, really fantastic game. She had great discipline, especially in extra time on both tip tip overs. Um, here's one of the things about tip overs that I always tell young kids that if, if the ball, if it's not followed with your eyes all the way through the motion, the ball doesn't extend over the bar. And, and that's kind of that next level thing, because if you take your eye off that ball, once you've made contact, that's when you lift the ball into the net rather than over the post, you know, wouldn't you agree, Omar? Uh, yes. Yeah. I think that's, yeah. I mean, I, I feel like you do such a good, you do such a good job of uh, breaking these things down that I don't really know if I should add anything onto it because I feel like it'll take away from your point. So I'll let you be on this one. All right. Um, I also want to talk about Hagrid on Helmseth um, for Norway. I'm really excited to see her against England today. I think that's going to be a really, really awesome, fun game. Thing about her is that she makes things look easy again, kind of like I was talking about, like a, a Muslera type situation because um, her positioning and angle play uh, just just a really, really spot on. And, you know, she's 39 years old. So let's just say, you know, the quickness is not her, her friend right now. Um, so she really has to make sure that she's really properly set and her set position is really the most important thing for her. Yeah. I think we've, we discussed it with Buffon. We discussed it with, you know, top goalkeepers in the world who played till their thirties, late thirties, uh, the experience. And I think with her, it's showing, and it's, I think one, one of the points that we discussed with Jill, uh, Jill Lloyden from TKI in our in our World Cup preview that sh- you know with with that kind of an age and with that kind of uh, ability to kind of have those experiences where you've seen things over and over and over that's huge in tournaments like this. So props to her, and we'll see how they do tonight. Yeah, and uh, I do want to bring bring up Alyssa Nair um, because I think that finally in that Spain game she got to show off her distribution skills and and outside of that one mistake, which I by the way. Same thing with Zach Steffen a couple of weeks ago, which happened with the men's team. I feel that that's actually a system of play mistake more so than a goalkeeper mistake, as in like she's told to play that ball quick and out like that. And that was just a simple matter of the United States not respecting Spain's high press, not expecting them to do that. Um, yeah. Because uh, because outside of that, her distribution was pretty darn solid. She's really good on long balls. They're really nice, nice and on point. Even when, with her arms, were really, really solid. So... I mean, against France, that's going to be so much fun tomorrow. But she's really going to have to test herself. Um, but I want to talk about Venendal. Sorry, Venendal, um, against Japan because she killed it. She absolutely killed it. I know, Omar, you were excited about this uh, result from, uh, from the Netherlands because you're a big fan of hers. Uh, that one ball that Nakashima hit with good knuckle low to the outside corner, uh, she properly parried that ball to allow for a great recovery set. So she parried and then she got recovered set onto the near post. It was really, really good. And you guys should check out that, that highlight from that game. Cause that, that game in itself is a good game to watch. the highlights. Oh my God. I texted my friends while watching it. I said, you guys got to watch this game. Japan is uh, another, another world, man. They're so good. At, and their goalkeeper is amazing. I forget her name, but she knows Yamashita. Yeah. She knows how to play out of the back too. so well. Yeah. yeah I we mean, talked about her so much last week. I didn't want to bring her up this week, but you know, uh, <laughs> But yeah, no, she's been she's been phenomenal, and uh, I'm really excited to see, you know, these these quarterfinal matchups. These are going to be sick. I mean, look, we got first off, it's almost all European except for the United States. Uh, France, the United States, obviously, that's that's a big one. Uh, I, I'm going to have to give the edge to France, in my opinion. Uh, I, I just think it's uh, I think it's at home. 
uh, I think it's just uh, it's their year. Um, I hate to say that. I'm not. I'm just trying not to be biased here. Netherlands, Italy. That's going to be a really good game. Um, I think Netherlands wins that game. I think Netherlands is a sleeper to win the World Cup. Um, I think uh, they, they weren't convincing. I, I, I mean, okay. honestly, I, don't, I didn't. I didn't. Against I like that, but that's a very good Japan side. It's exactly. a very good Japan side. Yeah, I mean, they've been saying too. Japan has been saying that because they have, I think, the Olympics in, I think, next year. Tokyo the Olympics. Yeah. yeah, in Japan, that they this was kind of a team that they were preparing to win the Olympics at home. So yeah. I don't think they put their best side out there, but just watching them, I think you know sometimes they preload these things saying that then it's not their best side. So the you know uh, the result, if it's if it's a loss, it's not as you know they don't take it as hard. But I think they put a great team out there and they play the ball so so well that's how you play the game it's like very barcelona-esque and some of the goals they scored throughout the tournament were unreal so i was i was actually really sad that unfortunately that japanese defender had her arm out which is just so unfortunate they get a pk last minute so i think netherlands are good but japan is also i think i think they deserve to win that game i'm a little salty because i love the way they played yeah germany sweden i'm giving uh even though i like lindahl um i i think germany is just a better team um although i think lindahl is going to provide some great moments but i'm excited i'm schult uh, well, Schulte or however you pronounce it, uh, we, we, we've never been able to figure it, figure it out. Um, you know, she's, she's one of the best goalkeepers in the tournament for sure. Um, the Norway England game today, that's another great man. Look at all this. There's literally not one rough goalkeeper in this entire group. Yeah, um, no, yeah. I'm excited. Yeah. A lot of the goalkeepers we talked about in our preview, uh, were, are definitely there still standing. So I'm excited to see it. We just, it's always fun to see which goalkeepers step up to the big moments and, um, how they do and how they keep themselves mentally in it. All right. Uh, real quick, Omar, I'm going to put you on the spot right here before we wrap up. Um, who are the semifinals and who are the finals for the Women's World Cup? Who do I think is going to make it? Yeah. Ah, oh, man. With the U.S. right now, I think I think the U.S. will hold on and win it. There's just so much. <laughs> there's just been so much going on, especially with like the Megan Rapino thing, like the politics and oh my us, us beating Thailand that I think there's enough enough juice with us that uh, I think we're gonna we're gonna take it. Unfortunately, Alex Morgan hasn't really been on her game. I mean, Spain. I don't know if it's from the coaching staff or what it was, but they really took her off her game. They knocked her down probably like ten times. So I even tweeted about it, saying she needed an ice bath mid game because she got she you know, she she got knocked around. So maybe maybe France can pull that off. But I think if Alex Morgan is hitting on all cylinders and uh, our, our Megan Rapinoe and Tobin Heath, all these girls are balling out. And, and listen, there has a great game. I think we'll win that game. And then um, with Netherlands, Italy, Italy, Italy has been a sleeper. So I'm going to go with Italy on this one because I didn't think Netherlands should have beaten Japan. And I think they should be counting their blessings that they did. So I think in terms of who's coming in with a little bit more form and who's really been a, a team that's playing with confidence, I'll go with Italy. Uh, Germany, Sweden, I just don't believe in Sweden that much. Germany has history on their side. I know Germany lost one of their best players uh, early in the first game, I think. So I think maybe that may that may even the playing field. But uh, with Lindahl and you have uh, Schultz playing at you know top, top levels, I think uh, it's going to be a great battle between the two of them. But I think uh, Lindahl will have to stand on her head more than Schultz would if uh, Sweden have a chance to win. Um, England versus Norway, this is a tough one. I love I love England. I think they're they're a fun side to watch. I love Phil Neville, what he's done with the team. Uh, they love playing with the ball out of the back, and I just I don't know. I'm a fan of the goalkeeper because she is uh, she's American. Yeah, so, Santa um, Monica, Santa Monica, right there. So we're gonna have to have Karen Bardsley on the show. Um, that's yeah. the thing. And by the way, you brought up Thailand earlier. We're working on trying to get a, a real kind of like an in depth look on on what happened with Thailand uh, there from somebody that was actually right there at ground zero. So we'll, we'll, we'll talk to you guys about that later in the future. Um, I do want to mention with the Thai Federation is that a lot of people have been, you know, 
kind of making jokes about or whatever uh, what happened with Thailand in regards to their their effort in the World Cup, and they got one goal, which I think was fantastic for them. They're not financed by their federation. How messed up is that? They had to be privately financed by an outside business interest to to go to the World Cup. Um, those women, essentially, most of them are amateurs, and uh, they yeah, there's a, a benefactor that uh, that covers all the costs for them. Um, so that, could you imagine that? Could you imagine, you know, having to, uh, you know, so there's still a, a big fight, uh, around the world guys. And in, in regards to, you know, um, you know, uh, equality in regards to the women's game. Um, and, uh, and honestly, I mean, obviously I'm, I'm a big, uh, you know, proponent of, uh, of, of, of soccer at all levels. Um, so, you know, when I hear stories like that, like, I just think, uh, come on, Thai Federation, like, come on, I, I know, I know that you've got resources available to you and and i'm sure there's a way to make it happen but uh yeah. that just that's just you know that's that's hurt you know that 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 hurts me because it's like what if you know that means what are the opportunities for young thai girls out there you know so anyway yeah. um that might have been a little too dark uh for the end of the podcast nah, you might want to edit that out i don't know nah, i think we're good with that all right, guys. Uh, all right. We're, our voice is gone. We've been going for like almost two hours. So uh, that's it for Inside the 18 this week. Uh, we're going to bring out this episode a little bit earlier. Contact at InsideThe18Media.com if you want those scarves um, or if you want questions answered. Keep writing those reviews and we'll see you later. We're out. Later, guys.